Welcome to Gateway Church's podcast. Wherever you're tuning in from, we hope you're encouraged by today's message. All right, so we are in a series called What's My Purpose? And I just, I wanna remind you that the Lord, um, before we even had a service here at Gateway, when God was speaking to me about starting the church, he told me, I want you to be a church that ministers to all generations. And I know there are different ways to define the word. Uh, what, how, how, how long is a generation? 40 years or 70 years or 80 or whatever. Um, but he did it for me in 20-year increments. And I'm not trying to start a new dogma or doctrine or theology or anything about that. This is simply analogical, all right? I'm just giving you an analogy that you can hold on to. God says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And of course, one of Jacob's sons was Joseph. So the Lord gave me those four names as age groups, all right? And he told me, we at Gateway Church are to focus on the whole family you know, the, the each generation. And so this is the way I define it. So just to catch you up, if you weren't here last weekend or if you were, just to catch you up again, um, the Joseph generation are those under 20. And so we are focused on reaching children and students. The Jacob generation would be 20 to 40, the Isaac generation 40 to 60, and the Abraham generation, 60 and over, or over 60, all right? And so, um, uh, if you, you'll, you may find yourself in one of those, and, you, and this week, I'm gonna be talking about uh, the um, Jacob generation, and you think, well, I'm a little over 40, so what's the, what's the word for that? Tell us the word about, for that. Uh, that's next week. So, you'll have to come back, so, um, but, the word for last week we talked about for the Joseph generation was identity. And when you think about it, Satan is trying to steal and even confuse the identity of our children and youth. And he's even now starting an elementary school, which we never thought would even happen. But he is doing that. But the kingdom of God is greater. And the church is now learning and understanding we've got to make sure that we focus on the Joseph generation. So the Jacob generation uh, are those 20 to 40, and the word for this week is increase. If you're a part of this age group, and, and you don't have to, all these aren't specific to your exact birth date or whatever. Uh, it could be you might even come to Christ when you're 40, and yet God wants to then get your identity in Christ. You see what I'm saying? But let me just tell you how the Lord showed me this, all right? So he is in this season, and in, my, in that season of my life, he was increasing me, and the reason he was increasing me is because he was giving me a little more so that one day he could give me a lot more. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so the, the bottom line of this is stewardship. But I, I almost didn't say that word because we always think of money. But stewardship is so much more than money. It's about how do you steward your time? How do you steward your energy? And even your character. How do you steward what God is saying and doing in your life? And how do you continue to grow in that? 
And so we're gonna talk about that today, all right? So obviously, I have three points for you. It's uh, very unusual if I have four, but uh, I think God is the God of three, obviously, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So three points, all right? Here's number one. God is a builder. You need to understand this to be able to understand this increase season God takes you through. God is a builder. Uh, Hebrews 11, when it's talking about Abraham, and I even put it in parentheses so you know it was Abraham, but verse 10 says, for he, Abraham, waited for the city which has foundations. And this is talking about the church. The church has foundations. Whose builder and maker is God. Builder and maker. I, I just want to key in on those two words because we know God makes some things. In other words, God creates. Sometimes God just says, let there be, and it's there. And we would love for God to say, let there be character in Robert Morris's life. Instead of take Robert Morris through a whole bunch of trials to get character. I, I wish he would just make me a person of character. But instead, he builds character. So there are some things he makes and there are some things that he builds. Even when Jesus was ascending, it, it, it talks about that he gave gifts to the church. And I did a whole series on this, on the five-fold ministry of the church a few years ago. Um, but even there, it's got the word building. You just might not recognize it because it uses a different word. And so I'll, I'll get you to that. But Ephesians 4 verse 11 says, and he himself, so that's Jesus, gave some, this is when he was ascending, to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the, and this is the word I underlined, this is actually building in the Greek, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Um, uh, this, this word uh, in, in the, it, it, for when it's a verb, it's a verb and a noun. When it's a verb, it's uh, orchidemeo. And when it's a noun, it's orchidemeos. Um, and I know you wanted to say, so make sure you write that down so you can share, you know, uh, with your uh, spouse later. I'm talking about the verb, not the noun right now. So, uh, but the, the verb is building and the noun is a builder. And so this is, is the edifying or the building up of the saints. The reason I say this is he himself gave these five offices for the building of the body of Christ. Now, I, I know you, you kind of wonder where I'm going. Uh, you're going to hear a little bit more where I'm going on point two. I almost want to say it now. But I ju you just need to know that um, Rome wasn't built in a day. Building takes some time. And so God takes you through a season of building in your life. Um, in Jeremiah 1, there's a verse about prophets. And remember, prophets are part of this building. They are to build up the church. The reason I want to hit this is because there are some people who are kind of self-proclaimed prophets who think they're actually supposed to tear down people. You know, I'm a prophet, so I'm supposed to tear down. Well, I just want to show you the actual scripture they based it on and show you it's not tearing down people, all right? 
So in Jeremiah 1, 5, it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nation. So he's talking to Jeremiah about being a prophet. And then I want to just key in a little bit on what we talked about about last week, the younger generation. And then said I, oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm just a part of students' ministry. I'm a youth. But the Lord said to me, don't say I'm just a student, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. So don't think you're ever too young to be used by God, all right? But then in verse 10 is where people get this, that prophets are supposed to tear down. He tells Jeremiah to do six things, and four of them uh, seem to be negative and too positive. Two are about building, and four are about tearing down. But it's not people. This is so important. Look at verse 10. See, I have set this day, I, this day I have set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. Please remember the word kingdoms. To root out, see how it sounds negative, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build and to plant. So four of them are like throwing down, tearing down, you know, rooting up, pulling down, and then after you do all that, then build and plant. But the key here is it's not people because the key is the word kingdom. I've set you over kingdoms. And if you didn't know, there are only two kingdoms. And Colossians 1 verse 13 tells us those two kingdoms. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. By the way, that's good news. <laughs> he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son or the kingdom of light, darkness and light. Okay, so what he's telling this prophet to do is to tear down the kingdom of darkness and to build up the kingdom of light. That's what he's telling them to do. But it's not people. The, the, the reason that I had to focus on that, and, and, and by the way, just to, to help you with this, um, is you need to do this in your own life. You need to tear down everything that's dark and build up everything that's light. The, but the way you understand this is the word kingdom. It comes from two words. It's very simple, king and dominion. So the word kingdom means the king's dominion. And there's the kingdom of his dear son or the kingdom of light, the king of light, but there's a king of darkness, a principality of darkness, okay? So anything that looks like darkness in your life, you need to tear down. This is this season of increase. You might not think it's increase, but it is increase because God is getting the bad out and putting more of the, so he can put more of the good in, okay? Um, again, I, I said, watch out for these self-proclaimed prophets. Um, when I was at uh, Shady Grove, which is our Grand Prairie campus, now, I, uh, Pastor Olin was the senior pastor who is our lead apostolic elder, and um, Pastor Olin grabbed me one time in between service and said, hey, I want you to come with me. And then he grabbed another elder and said, hey, come with me. And we went to this uh, office we had kind of behind the stage and there was a guy there, and this guy said, I'm a prophet, and I have a word for you. 
And Olin said, no, you don't. <laughs> now, Pastor Olin is this very mild-mannered, loving, humble, you know, if you've met him. But every now and then, um, if you're coming against the sheep, uh, he, you know, the rod comes out, the staff comes out, you know. And um, so he could tell this guy's spirit was wrong. And that's why he wanted a couple of us with him. And this guy said, no, I, I have a word for you. And Pastor Olin said, no, you don't. And he said, yeah, I have a word for you. He said, no, you don't. And so uh, I was thinking, wow, this is a, f a fun side of him to see, you know. That, uh, and so then he said something I'll never forget. He said to him, am I a pastor? Am I a pastor? And the guy said, yes. And he said, am I your pastor? And the guy said, well, uh, no, I, I don't attend this church. And Olin said, well, you might be a prophet, but you're not my prophet. Now, that doesn't mean that he wouldn't receive a word from someone he didn't know. He was just saying, I don't, I don't have any relationship with you. And what, I, what I'm seeing so far isn't very good. And I don't even know from what church, you're, you're, you know, where you go. I don't know where you came. I, I don't understand. I, and there's something wrong with your spirit. And so he said, Jesus said to the guy, um, I'm just telling you that I'm not going to let you prophesy over me. And the guy said, well, I'm going to say the word anyway. And I realized at that moment why he grabbed the other elder that was with me. Um, uh, some of you would know his name was Jim Morton. Uh, Jim and Trish uh, still doing alive and all and wonderful. But Jim was a construction worker before he got saved. Jim was about six foot three and about 220 pounds of muscle. And this guy said, I'm going to give you the word anyway. And Jim said, no, you're not. You're going to leave. And he took him by the Lord, by the arm, and he, <laughs> the Lord was helping, but he took him. But anyway, Jim showed him the way of the Lord more perfectly, um, uh, where the exit was, you know. And um, so the point is that God is a builder. And if you know someone that's not building in your life the kingdom, you ought to get away from them. Because there are only two kingdoms. And if they're building darkness in your life, they're not from God. But God's a builder. He's building light. Here's the second thing, and this is one I wanted to get to that you might not like. Number two, God is a patient builder. He takes time. Uh, Abraham and Sarah, remember he took 25 years. You're going to have a son. I'm I, I, I bet Abraham thought nine months from now. <laughs> it's 25 years. Uh, he told Moses, you're going to deliver Israel. And when Moses was 40 years old, he thought he would start one Egyptian at a time. And so God put him on the backside of a desert talking to sheep for 40 years. And that's why, I think, I personally think that's why when God showed up and said, and it's time, he said, I can't talk. I, I mean, I've been talking to sheep for 40 years, you know. <laughs> His own son, God's own son, was in the business world until he was 30 years old. He was a carpenter. He knows what rainy days are like when you don't get paid. He knows what it's like to do the job and the person not pay you. He knows what it's like for your competitor to lie about you. I just want you, I just want all of you who know, who are in the 
business community, which is most of you listening to me, you need to understand Jesus understands. Why? And why would God wait until he was 30? See, with his own son. Because he was building something. He was increasing him. As a matter of fact, it says that he grew in wisdom and stature. How could the Son of God grow in wisdom? Obviously, it's the human side of it. Fully human, fully divine. So we're, we're using David as a, as a background for this. This is the same thing that happened in David's own life. David killed, writes some of the Psalms I told you last weekend when he was 11 to 14 years old. And they made it in the Bible, by the way. It's pretty incredible. Probably not all the ones he wrote. And well, the word Psalms means Psalms. Um, but he, he killed Goliath when he, probably when he was 17, but he didn't become king until he was 30. Let, let me just show you that. Uh, 2 Samuel 5 verse 4 says David was 30 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 40 years and all. He reigned until he was 70. He died when he was 71 or 72. He had reigned over Judah from Hebron for seven years and six months. And from Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah for 33 years. What, what, what was God doing with David during this time? He was increasing him. Notice he started with him reigning over just Judah for seven years, seven and a half years, and then over all Israel. Why? I, I'm telling you, God will give you a little bit to see what you do with it. And what's amazing is, let's just use finances as an example. People tell me, you know, well, when I make more, I'll tie. No, you won't. No, you won't. Because Jesus himself, I'm, I'm not the one who said it. Jesus himself said, if you're not faithful with a little, you won't be faithful with much. Matter of fact, I think I'll just read you that. <laughs> Luke 16, verse 10. If you're, fa if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in a little bit of money or in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. That's Jesus talking. Do you know when Jesus, when God, we'll say it that way, when God uh, let Israel go in and take the promised land, do you know how he did it? You ever, ever, ever read how he did it? There's a, there, are some, there are a couple of some words I want to show you. He said, I'm going to do it little by little. Deuteronomy 7:22, and the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little, little by little. You will be unable to destroy them at once. And then if you don't understand the Bible as a spiritual book, you won't understand this last statement, lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Well, I, I, need, to, I need to just take a moment just and just explain to you, beasts of the field has a spiritual meaning. And I can prove it to you with one verse in the Bible, which all of you know, and all of you see one word, and immediately, immediately you know it has a spiritual meaning. Immediately, all right? I'm just going to show it to you. But what the problem is, you don't apply a spiritual meaning to the next words in the verse. But, but I'm going I'm to show you, it's, it's real simple. Genesis 3, this is the first three words, verse 1, now the serpent. Now the serpent, okay? Everyone can answer me. Every campus, this has this got to be one of the easiest questions that will ever be asked from a pulpit if you've been in church any time at all. Who was the serpent? Satan, right? Hello? I thought it was easy. All right. Who, 
You thought I was going to trick you. No, I wasn't, I'm not tricking you. It is fun to trick you, but I wasn't tricking you that time. Okay. Now the serpent. Okay, how do you know? How do you know it's so much serpent? How do you know? And of course, people say, well, the Bible says it's the serpent. Well, where? Where does the Bible say it's the serpent? So let me, let me just tell you something. I'll never, ever tell you this verse has, this, this is the spiritual meaning of this word without giving you a book, chapter, and verse. Now, this is my job. I understand this. I've been doing this for a while. But I can give you a book, chapter, and verse on every type and shadow in the Bible. Every one of them. And, and, they're, and they're easy. They're easy, all right? So, and there are lots of them, by the way, because the Bible uh, is, um, um, I was thinking of a really good word. Uh, it fits together. Okay, I can't remember the other good word. All right, but here, let me just show you the verse to show you for sure that the, the old serpent, the old serpent that was in the garden, all the way at the garden, is the devil and Satan, all right? Revelation 12, 9, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan. So we know for sure the serpent was the devil. He was cast, he deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth, that's why he was in the garden, and his angels were cast out with him. What's the word angel mean, remember? The Greek word angelos, what's it mean? Messenger, way to go, somebody's listening. It's just, so his messengers, his followers were cast out with him. So the, the serpent is there in the garden. Where are his angels? Well, they were cast to the earth too. All right, so Genesis 3, verse 1, it says, now the serpent, and everybody here says, that's the devil. But watch this. You ready? Watch and see if you see that the beasts of the field might represent the angels, the fallen angels, the demonic spirits that were cast out with him. Genesis 3, 1, now the whole thing. Now the serpent, Satan obviously, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. I don't think this means that a snake was more cunning than a leopard. I don't know if you've studied leopards, but I don't think he was more cunning. But I do think that Satan is the most cunning of all the fallen angels. I'm telling you, this is the best book in the world. This is an incredible book. Do you understand, if this, if this book, and it was, but if this book, was written by God, you might not know all of it that you need to know. It might be a little smarter than you are. And God might be able to keep showing you stuff even if you're 90 years old in this book. It's an incredible book. So here's, here's what he's saying in, in Deuteronomy. He says, I'm not gonna allow you to just get from one place to another all at once because the spiritual principalities and powers and the hosts of darkness and wickedness, if you got from this place to that place all at once, they would attack you and they'd be too numerous for you because you wouldn't have the character then to be able to deal with them. So I'm going to train you little by little. I'm going to let you do this. I'm telling you, this is a good book. Um, when you talk about little by little, uh, I went through, you know, I started Gateway when I was 38, almost 39. 
And, and next week's going to be a great week because I'm going to tell you what 40 to 60 is. It's, it's a wonderful season. But I'm not going to tell you this week. But I'm going to tell you next week. So you have to come back. So, but the, the, the thing is that God was building. He was increasing me during that time. Part of that time, I worked for an evangelist. And this one was not James Robinson because I want to I make that clear, all right? This was not James Robinson. I did work for James, but this was not James. This was another one before I worked for James Robinson. And um, uh, in some ways, he was a good boss. In some ways, he wasn't. I don't know if you've ever had a boss that wasn't a good boss. Probably no one here has ever experienced that. Probably, I'm probably the only one. But maybe you know someone like that. But why would God put you under this person? See, what, what, what we, 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 we're kind of mad at God that we are under that person, but if we actually thought about it and figured out he was the one that put us there, we'd really be mad at him. But you ought to ask why God put you there. So anyway, I, was, I had this guy. He was an evangelist and um, um, a, a big-time evangelist. And I was helping and traveling with him and doing school assemblies and things, again, before I worked for James Robinson. And um, so we'd been gone all week. We fly in late on a Friday night, and, and he had a private plane. We flew in late on his private plane. And when we got to the airport, uh, I, so it's late Friday night. I've got Saturday and Sunday, and then Monday we're going to go back out of town. So I've got Saturday and Sunday with my wife, you know, just two days. And he says to me, hey, tomorrow I want you to wax my plane. Now, I don't know if you've ever waxed a car, but if you think that's hard, Try waxing your plane. I should have been home with my wife. And so when I told Debbie about it, you know, obviously, she wasn't happy about it either. And it took me from early in the morning until after dark. I had to, I had to get some, borrow some lights from the people at the airport to put on it to finish it. It took me until 8 or 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. I don't know what it was. But anyway, but Debbie and I decided that night that we were gonna keep our hearts right. And did you know, um, to this day, Debbie has a life scripture. Uh, matter of fact, Debbie, I, I read it this last week. It had, it's not out yet, but Debbie and Elaine, my daughter, wrote a book that's gonna come out Mother's Day. And it's a, like a 36-day devotional or something. Um, and I, <laughs> I remember when I read it, I said, so why don't you do 40 days, a 40-day devotional? She said, I didn't have anything else to say. So anyway, um, <laughs> so anyway, if you ever want to do a 36-day devotion, okay, but it's really good because they're very open, they're very vulnerable, two mothers, you know, and it's great. But she puts it in the book, but her favorite, her life scripture that, guard, that, 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 that guides her life to this day is, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. So I'm just letting you know, just to go back to David, he wasn't under that good of a leader for several years. And I'm going to show you that in the next point, all right? But here's point three. Um, God is a wise builder. He's a wise builder. 
1 Corinthians 3 says, verse 10, according to the grace of God which was given to me. That's Paul talking. According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. He's speaking to the church of Corinth. And another builds on it. At this moment, he's speaking about Apollos. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Watch this. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if you take this and grammatically look at it for a little bit, here's in essence what he says. I laid the foundation, but actually no one can lay any other foundation than Jesus. That's really what he says. Even one of my, my life scripture uh, is where Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Yet, not I, but the grace of God that worked in me. I, I, I just love it because Paul is, is so many times saying things like this. So, let me, let me put it to you this way. Uh, people have called me the founder of Gateway Church. And I was the only person in that prayer center, and Debbie and I had, before we ever had a service, had 30 people in our home. Uh, we actually had 29, but we had a pregnant lady, so we counted her twice, um, <laughs> just to get our numbers up, you know, for the, so. But, so in a way, Debbie and I are, yes, the founders. We're the, we're the humans that God used. But God founded Gateway Church. Okay, this is what Paul is saying here. He said, I, I brought the gospel to Corinth. So yeah, I, I kind of laid the foundation, but actually nobody can lay a foundation other than Jesus. Are, are y'all following me? Okay, so, and he uses this term, a wise master builder. So God is a wise builder. So if God puts you under an insecure leader for a season, is he actually trying to work security in you? And again, let's go back to David, all right? First Samuel 18, verse six. Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with their tambourines, with joy and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him, and he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it happened, here's words that many people miss, on the next day, <laughs> the very next day, that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul. He prophesied in the house, which shows you can prophesy even under a wrong spirit. So David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand, and Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. Now, just to judge notice, you catch this too, but David escaped his presence twice because there's another place where Saul did this, and this is just summing it up for us. So two times, Saul threw a spear at David and tried to kill him, and Saul knew how to throw spears. He was a, he, he was a warrior, okay? He knew how to throw spears. Okay, now you may have a bad boss 
but I doubt he's ever cast a spear at you. Here's the other thing that you might not know. You remember David had to flee from Saul and had to hide in caves and crevices because Saul took his elite army, basically took his Navy SEALs, and was trying to kill him. So it wasn't just throwing a spear twice. Would you like to know how long David was running for his life from Saul? Eight years. Eight years. I probably would have questioned God on that one. What, why is this happening? But what was God doing? He was building character in David's life. When we think about the kings of Israel, I know we know Solomon was the wisest, but there's no doubt he was the greatest king of Israel as far as a human, David, King David. So let me show you something else, and I need to let you know that I'm going, I'm going, this is going to be, if you remember, I did the Divinely Human series. I'm gonna show you one more passage and then we're done, okay? But uh, this is gonna be a little human, okay? So just relax, all right? Gonna be a little human, but I'm gonna try not to be too human for those of you that don't like to talk about human stuff, okay? <laughs> First Samuel 24, verse one, after Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone in the wilderness of En Gedi. I've, I've actually been there and I've seen the caves. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops, elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, now this is the part that's a little human, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. If you don't know what that means, you can ask someone later but you will probably have no doubt what it means in just a moment because I'm gonna explain it to you. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. By the way, his men, he had 400 men with him. It's a pretty big cave. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today, the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. Woo. And Saul didn't know it, by the way. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one. He was still the king of Israel. For the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. Now, you need to also know David was a warrior and even a greater warrior than Saul and could have easily killed Saul. Easily. David was um, Rambo <laughs> for, the, for the older people in the room. You younger people, he was Jason Bourne. He was, um, is there someone today, a hero? Okay, that's who he was, that's who he was all right? I mean, he was a bad dude. He, he, had, he had to kill 100 men to get to marry a woman, and it made him mad. He went and killed 200. And, and he, he creeps up, and he's stealthy enough to cut off some of his robe without Saul knowing it, okay? All right, now here's the human part, okay? You okay? Just stay human for a minute, all right? 
It says he went into a cave to relieve himself. Okay, so um, even you, most of you, I would assume, all of you, when you're talking to your children or your grandchildren, um, and let's say you're driving and you're two or three exits or five or 10 miles from a bathroom, and one says, I need to go to the bathroom. We normally ask a question uh, with some numbers in it. <laughs> they have two choices. <laughs> number one or number two. So I'm not trying to be crass, I'm just simply saying that's kind of how we refer to it, all right? When this says, saw went into a cave to relieve himself, okay, so I have two sons and a son-in-law, and we have some land out in the country, okay? It is not unusual when we're out there to turn around and just see one of my sons relieving himself. That's number one. Men don't go into a cave to do number one. They just do it right there if there aren't women around, hopefully, okay? Hopefully. So why would he go into the cave? Number two, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be crass here, okay? Here's my point. He was vulnerable. It would have been very easy for David to kill him. But the reason he didn't kill him was because he was in a season of his life where God was increasing his character so that one day he could be the king of all of Israel. I preached a few months ago the blessed life and I shared with you about how Debbie and I gave thousands and thousands of dollars away and even our home and everything. That was in our 20 to 40 season. God was increasing us in our stewardship in just that one area and our character so that one day I could pastor one of the highest giving churches in the world. In the world. I, here's, here's what I want you to get out of this message. God would like to give you a lot more. But he can only give you what you've done with what he's given you so far. So you're proud, you could be in a season, no matter how old you are, where he's trying to get your identity in Christ and he's trying to increase your character so that you can, that's next week. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Every, every weekend, we simply say something like this. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And I just want you to think about, is there an area of your life 
that God's trying to tear down the kingdom of darkness in your life so he can build up the kingdom of his dear son in your life so he can take you to another season. So just let the Holy Spirit take the message and apply it to you however he wants to apply it, all right? Lord, I wanna tell you thank you that you, you're a builder. You're a patient builder in that you're patient with me even when it takes me years to get it. But you're also a wise builder and you know exactly what you want me to do in the future and you know exactly the tools I'll need in my tool belt. So thank you, God, that you increase me in humility and kindness and love and peace and joy and boldness and power of the Holy Spirit. And thank you, Lord, you're increasing my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to connect with us, text CONNECT to 71010 or visit gatewaypeople.com. We hope you have a great week.